Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Hotbed, episode two, the most electrifying sex of my life. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, hello. Hello, this is Lisa Williams, and opposite uh, me, I have... Anarchy Somerville. And... Remy Sade. Hello, and we have Baby Joe here. Woo! Baby Joe in the house. Uh, he is um, reading the Iliad, so he shouldn't hopefully make any noises before. He's a very... Uh, I was impressed some... with his Mandarin earlier on. It's yeah. really good, isn't it? I know. I mean, considering, so yeah, considering he's six months, I'd say he's, you know... Baby I'm, genius. Yeah, well slightly advanced. Um, we don't have Cherry. Where's Cherry. Jerry's on holiday in Corfu, I think. Is she in Corfu? No, she's in Corfu. I stalked her yesterday. She's with her boot eating cheese. I've actually been, yeah, I, think I, I actually saw that same post. So she's eating fried cheese and in a very lovely hot environment. But she does deserve it because she's been super, super busy. Yeah. So I think she's just finally taking a little bit of time out. I don't think Cherry has had time to even change her tampon, let alone record a podcast in the last six months. She's had the same months. hairstyle for six months. <laughs> Do you think if she took her shoes off, her toenails would like reach be really long. the other floor in her yeah, house? Yeah, uh, Bless her. We love Cherry. Cherry is busy. We Cherry, miss her. We love her, don't we? we? Do. Yeah, absolutely. But we're really excited to have Remy here. Remy, 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 Thank Remy. Thank you all it's for so having me. Good to see you. So we met Remy at our live show last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually put her onto stage, which was really cool. We did this thing called the sex box where everyone wrote um, answers to questions we gave them. And Remy's one, well, most answers were probably like one sentence. Remy's was like a kind of like <laughs> mini essay. <laughs> so, oh, and then man. she made noises in the crowd. So I was like, oh, well, because it's supposed to be anonymous, but if you're happy to come up and talk, come up and talk. So you did. Yes, I did. Um, and do you remember what you wrote? And what you said. I remember I was the person I was at the time, basically long and short of it, I was just like, we've done things, but I think that half of it's based on like porn because like we're millennials. And so <laughs> he watches that and then he's like, I got a suggestion. But I didn't know if it was all very realistic. So when I went to edit the episode, I loved Remy's bit. But then I contacted her just to say, hey, is it cool that I use this? And you were like, yeah, it's fine. Except the guy I was talking about, we've split up now. Um, And it was like a tricky time. I don't know if Mm. you want to just say a little bit about that. Yeah, so basically it's the man I was talking about was the man who was in my life for the last four and a half years. And we had a child together and we split up and I hadn't spoken about it on my Mm. blog. 
And when you messaged me, I said, you know, it was totally fine for you to use it. And it was, I mean, we were still living together at the time. So he knew that I'd actually spoken about Offset's oh, life mm, yeah. on your podcast. But I was releasing a piece announcing that I was single. Yeah. So I didn't mind you guys using it, but I did think that it would be a bit confusing to yeah. like... Now she isn't. Say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, see me say in one breath, I've been single for six months, and then in the other breath, hear me say, by the way, this is what we do in the bedroom, because we weren't doing anything in the bedroom. But mm. in answer to the question, I was like, well, in retrospect, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, no, it all worked out for the best. I'm it, right now. Good, good. Yeah. And we we wanted to talk today about pregnancy sex. And the reason, the reason why, first of all, we do obviously talk about sex after kids. Um, pregnancy is part of that but um, someone we know I guess through the squares through the gram Rebecca Schiller has written a book called The No Guilt Pregnancy Plan and it's pretty amazing um, because it's genuinely like one of the first guides I've seen uh, for women which doesn't patronise women about pregnancy it actually gives them the proper information so it'll say something like Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here, okay, drinking and pregnancy. Here is the recommendation from the chief medical officer. Here is the study. Here is anecdotally what people say. And now you go off and make your own decision, essentially. Um, and I really like it. It's a real breath of fresh air. There's a lot of information in there. Um, and she contacted us and asked us if our readers slash listeners had any thoughts on pregnancy sex. And some of them were included in the book, which is really, really exciting. And my favourite was that someone said that her pregnancy sex was single-handedly the most mind-blowing, exhilarating sex of her life which is wow. really super cool. Um, Anarchy, any well, thoughts on pregnancy sex? I suppose I've always been a slightly anxious pregnant person. I wish I could say that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been, but because I've had miscarriages in the past, mm. I've, I don't know, there's been a few people that say, obviously, that when you have sex, when you're pregnant, your orgasms are more intense um, and you can have a, a sort of higher sense of pleasure. Yeah. But for me, I've always been really worried about would it bring on a contraction, you know, mm. would I actually damage the baby in some way? And certainly in the latter stages of pregnancy, 
Well, there were two things. One, I was just too enormous, like literally, <laughs> you know, and I could barely, it was, I remember it was the middle of summer and I was so hot. Yeah. And I mean, even getting up and going to the toilet was a mission. So the idea of actually engaging in that, I think my partner was also quite scared at that stage. Um, so I guess I, I didn't actually indulge in much pregnancy sex. And even now, I probably... I would still shy away from it a bit. And it's a shame because I've heard from lots of people that it's really good and yeah. it probably releases all sorts of feel-good hormones so it would be good for anxiety too. Mm. But personally for me, I just, yeah, I'm too worried about things going wrong. Yeah, so I watched a really funny NHS video. Um, it's on the NHS site when I looked up sex and pregnancy and obviously, unless you've had a complicated pregnancy, um, so some complications such as if you've had a really short labour. Sorry, that's Baby J in the background. Um, he's got to a really good bit in his book. Um, if you've had, if you've got twins, I think, um, and towards the end of labour, you need to be a bit careful. Um, but genuinely, they say it's very good because it's obviously kind of bonding and you've got these great hormones going around. I did have quite funny contractions after sex with my first pregnancy. First pregnancy had quite a lot of sex. I felt really, really good towards the end. Second one, so sick. I had mm. hyperemesis, um, gravidarium, just like the Duchess of Cambridge, one of the many things that we have in common, <laughs> obviously. Um, and couldn't do much because I just, I didn't think the sort of sick, sicky, sick bag look was particularly attractive. It wasn't really a big motivator <laughs> for jumping into care. bed. No, not, not so much. I was doing hotbed though, so I was having to review a few toys and things and I kept on having to Google like vibrators plus pregnancy equals safe, question mark, you know. Mm. And um, and got the go ahead at least. It's all. I think it's even on the NHS website that vibrators are okay as long as they're not really powerful. So yeah. that was all okay. It's funny, isn't it? Because there's a lot around um, birth and being orgasmic, and I think I, yeah. I think we've got a piece on the website. Hotbedcollective.com. Yeah, about somebody who'd experienced really intense orgasms while giving birth. And that, I, think I, I might actually, have read that, you know. Yeah, mm. and actually, do you know what? I thought that, for me, I would be all over that. Like, I mean, <laughs> totally, I can't I think of imagine. anything, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a strange one if you're in a public environment, but I sort mm. of think, God, anything that would distract you from that. But so I'm probably yeah, so more likely to try and indulge in that than the, the sort of lead up to it. But I do think birth is such a primitive experience that yeah. I kind of don't think I'd care if that was what I was into. I'm not totally. into that, but if I was 100%, into it. yeah. I mean, you, you just, once you're in the throes of labour, I really didn't give a flying monkeys what mm. I looked like, so I don't think I'd care about that. Yeah. But it's totally different to me to having mm. sex in pregnancy than to having an orgasm when I'm giving birth. I mean, I didn't have conventional labour, so um, I didn't have to take my sex toys to the hospital, but I would have been tempted otherwise. Mm. <laughs> Did you do birth at home? No, I had a C-section with both. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think an orgasm in surgery. <laughs> well, I don't know. feel it anyway, can you? <laughs> exactly. That'd oh, be a waste. So funny, my whole pregnancy sex experience was, initially I was just having sex, like regular. Yeah. Um, uh, my libido bit dipped for quite a bit around the six-week mark, and then it came back and... And it was kind of normal, mm. but uh, I was a overweight pregnant woman, so I had a scheduled induction yeah. the day after I actually ended up giving birth. But oh. because of that, I was like, it was militant. I was like, we must have sex three times a day, mm. and there's no choice about this. <laughs> and it was hilarious because during the lull of sexual activity, um, I think my partner at the time was a bit like, well, you know, we're we were in our, what, we were 22, so he had a 
active sexual appetite and he was a bit like so when's it gonna happen by the mm. time I gave birth he was like oh I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> like this is extreme and um I don't even think I cared about whether or not it was the best sex yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Was that to bring on labour then? Yeah. Doing that? Oh, yeah. I I had read so many things mm. and like being um, Afro-Caribbean, there's loads of old wives' tales of the things you can do and then you go on the NHS website and half of them are like completely um, irresponsible or <laughs> they're just not the best thing to do. So I did some conventional things and some unconventional things, but our midwife said that the best thing that we could do was have loads of sex. So sure. mm, something in the female. I'm so that I missed out on that because I was like five days overdue and they told me to walk on an irregular, um, uneven pavement. So basically, have one <laughs> leg on the road and the other leg on the pavement. So we went to a garden centre, Sion Park Garden Centre, and I ended up walking around there. But mm. no one had actually said that sex would have been a good alternative. Sex actually helped walking on a uneven lot. pavements not that exciting. Oh, like how hot bit is this? How hot bit is this? The choice between having sex or going to a garden centre. <laughs> we, no, we did. We did the walk. I mean, I did uphill walks every morning at seven forty-five. Mm. Um, did ridiculous. you eat hot spicy food? Oh, I did all of that. Don't try this at home. I drank castor oil. It was not a good oh idea. Um, I actually made him drink the castor oil too. <laughs> because I was like, if I'm doing this, you're doing this. Oh, this is fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the sex the sex helped and walking helped. But sex in pregnancy. I also, I felt really sexy when I was pregnant. Yeah. That was really interesting. Um, I, s- s- pregnancy and post-pregnancy, except for a period around like between zero to six months postnatal, I felt more confident than I have in my body in my whole life and yeah. in my sexuality and my sexual comfortability and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, like, you know, my body looks great and I've yeah. got this bump and, yeah. like, you know, I feel like all ethereal and mother earthy so that was pretty cool I totally felt that I felt like for the first time I wasn't looking down at my stomach thinking is it fat is it flat well I will say that men were more attracted to me when I was pregnant and that was shocking so you had some uh, some messages it was ridiculous it was it was it was ridiculous like I I basically you know you're when you're in a long-term relationship you get to a stage where initially everybody wants you because you're finally off the market and then nobody (laughs) even notices you anymore yeah and you're just like a wallflower it was like when I first got in the relationship and every man and any man was like oh my gosh what you do I had men ask me if I wanted to have their next baby when this one was <laughs> born. Like, it was let me get on with this one, like, mate. Let I was, me get on I with was this so one. savage when I was pregnant. Men could not talk to me for Jack. I, I think I was cave womany in the sense that I was like, no, this is the man that I'm with. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. But men were very shameless. Obviously, there is a whole category of of kind of guy who would fancy or fetishise yeah. pregnant women. Yeah. So I'd be worried then if you're attracting somebody just purely at that point, Mm-mm-mm. then what happens after you have the baby and they run off with another pregnant woman? <laughs> I mean, initially, I'm not a skinny girl, so initially I don't think I look, I didn't look pregnant until I was about six months. I just mm. looked oh, fatter so than you. Just... <laughs> so I just think they were chubby chasers and then they realised <laughs> I had a bump and they were like, oh, bonus. Or maybe it was just that you were just exuding this like feel-good thing i did look quite glowy i looked like but if you thought it was such a fall from grace after giving birth i looked like trash so yeah six to eight months i always said i always said that actually being pregnant is like it's the worst preparation for having a baby because essentially you are the center of attention everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be around Mm -hmm. you everyone opens doors they bring you food they look after you 
And then, and they say that you're beautiful and you're glowing. Yeah. Then you have the baby. You basically look like you've been in a car accident <laughs> afterwards. You look awful. Everyone ignores you. They go straight for the baby. They just, they're not interested in you mm. anymore. Nobody asks really much about you. Mm. They go straight into the buggy to see what's going on there. Um, I just think it's really strange. It's almost like you get this loads of attention. Yeah. And, and then, then suddenly nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my God, if you had to pinpoint when was the least sexy time, for me it would have been just after you know those couple of months after where essentially I mean I had midwife coming over and I was too scared to actually look what was going on down there oh I didn't look at my vagina for about a year Mm. I mean it was ridiculous because who does that I mean I never really looked at it before either Um, but I feel like because of how young I was when I had my daughter my coming of age into my womanhood happened at the same time as me giving birth and learning about birth and pregnancy and your woman parts and I gave no cares in the world for my vagina until it was inactive and then I was like oh my gosh mm. you're you're an organ you're a part of me and I'm so sorry I just disregarded you as ever being <laughs> even aware like and, it was yeah, weird a non-thing I had this um they told me because I was I was um I had a cut you know yeah that's it, why I didn't look at episiotomy yeah so I had that and basically the midwife came over and she said, listen, you need to shower. You need to use a shower head and get in the bath every day and, and give it a really good shower. And I was actually too scared to even put the shower head there because it hurt. Mm. It yeah, really it's hurt. So painful. Um, and it's funny, I think I hadn't been mentally prepared for the fact that essentially it just felt like a, it felt like a wound, you know, and it was a wound. It was it a felt, healing wound. Everything felt bruised. Um, and that's, I think that's a, that's a tricky thing. I mean, there's obviously no rush to then get back into it again um, afterwards. So this is, yeah, and funnily enough, in our first ever hotbed episode, I was pregnant. It was the day before I had Joe, And yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know how soon I'm going to have sex again. Probably for like at least six weeks. I mean, try <laughs> six years. Let's try six years. Anyway, we are now going to go to, we are going to listen to an interview with Rebecca Schiller um, about her book, The No Guilt Pregnancy Plan. She's a journalist. She writes for The Pool. She is the um, chief executive of a charity called Birthrights, which basically is dedicated to improving women's experience of pregnancy and childbirth. She's written a book about why human rights and childbirth matter, and it is eye-opening stuff. It's all about birth trauma, about birth choices, about how women are disempowered at every step of the way, how there's very little regard for, say, for example, women, this is a bit heavy now, but women who've been sexually abused can find birth very, very traumatic, particularly if they feel out of control. She has got our back. She is fighting for our rights and doing it in a very clever, interesting way and using whatever scant resources they have um, very, very well. And she's written a book which isn't heavy. It's really fun. It's got a really nice Instagrammable pink front cover. We'll put the picture on our Instagram feed. It's got stuff from us, the Hotbed Collective, and our readers in it. Um, it's got stuff about breastfeeding, bottle feeding, essentially any choice that you have got as a pregnant woman or a mother. Um, and there's stuff in there for dads as well. She's taking the guilt out of it and it is a relief. It is really nice to read. She is treating us like people with brains. Oh my God, fancy that. Um, and this is her talk about it. So this is Rebecca Schiller. So, Rebecca, from birthrights to your no guilt pregnancy plan, what is the connection between the two? I think my work um, with birthrights really made it very clear to me that women don't have the kind of preparation for pregnancy, birth and everything that comes after to help them make that transition from um, 
you know, being a woman who doesn't have children to being mm. a woman who does have children, but still trying to retain interests and relationships mm. and work. Um, so the idea was to think of a, a, a sort of deeper way to prepare that treated women like adults. Yes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> revolutionary. <laughs> that, you know, you might still have a brain yes. that you might want to use and that you might have a whole complex series of circumstances and needs and that also nobody's the same, that there isn't mm. a right way to do things. Mm. And that's something that comes up time and time again with birthrights, that mm. women are told there's a way. Yes. And it might be the way that this hospital does it or mm-hmm. the way that their mother-in-law did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or the way that, you know, um, their partner thinks they should do it. But actually, the, there is only one way, which is the way that it that it matters to that woman and the, the things that her life and her body and what she knows about herself, that expertise brings along with all the clinical um, best practice. And so the idea is to, to, to give women a very clear um, guide to preparing, but also one that tries to normalise the fact that there's a lot of unexpected stuff, a lot of mm. roller coasters, and that women feel a whole range of things and that those are all okay as long as they feel okay for that for that woman. And why is the sort of the no guilt part of this particularly important to you? I'm really fed up of hearing um, women talk about guilt and shame mm. and disappointment and failure and sadness mm. um, when they're mothers. Um, some of those things are unavoidable. Some people will have really difficult pregnancy journeys. Some people have devastating things happen to them when they become mothers. But actually, the idea that we should all feel guilty if if we breastfeed our kids too long or if we don't breastfeed them mm. or if we had a cesarean mm. or if we put our child in danger by having a home birth or if we went back to work too soon or if we didn't go back to work. I talked to a woman who's made almost every choice across the spectrum mm-hmm. and most of them talk about a kind of scrutiny, mm-hmm. everybody peering over them, waiting for them to make their decision and then telling them why it was wrong. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think we need to feel like that. I think it's um, it's a construct and, and we're encouraged to feel like that it makes us less powerful so the idea is to banish that and it's a bit of a catch-all word for all of the unnecessary um, emotions that other people encourage us to feel and and a chance to resist that and say you really matter and Mm. and you get to make these decisions and you don't have to feel bad about them and why do we think because you know if you're empowering people to go through this sort of journey at hospital let's say uh, when they're pregnant and to sort of ask the questions and to know maybe a bit more about what options are out there rather than just being presented with the way. Um, Do you think many women are a bit frightened of being the sort of the difficult one, the troublemaker? Yes. I mean, we're all supposed to be good girls, aren't Mm. we? And that's interestingly a phrase that quite often gets said to women in labour, good girl. Oh, right, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I think we we aren't... encouraged any of us actually whether um you know there's obviously an issue with with power and and being a woman but also in a hospital environment lots of us feel at the bottom of the hierarchy yeah um but actually um, most midwives and doctors will tell you that women have incredibly valuable information that only they know yes of course the law makes it so that women can be the only decision makers and if you look at the research that shows that you can have a traumatic birth on paper you can have a birth that doesn't go to plan that ends in an emergency situation and feel okay about it if you're listened to mm. treated with kindness mm-hmm. and feel part of the decision making mm. so that's actually really important for mental health and well-being 
that women understand what's happening to them and that they have agency and power to make those decisions. Mm. It's important for the law, it's it, it's important in our maternity service, but it's just important for women because it can um, be really damaging to them in the long term if, if they don't. So let's talk about sex. Yeah. And the reason, well, we're the hotbed, so we have to, first yeah. of all. Um, second of all, you reached out to our Instagram followers when you were writing the book because you wanted our experiences of sex during pregnancy and you have devoted part of your book to that exact topic so why did you think that that was important i think there's this funny sort of myth that when we become mothers we sort of put that sexual side of ourselves in a box mm. and and i know from my personal experience i can't say that as soon as i'd had a baby the first thing i wanted to do <laughs> was like <laughs> jump back into bed um you know i think there is there is a process of adjustment but also i really resist the idea that we can't be really great mothers mm. and also have really adventurous and interesting sex lives and i know you guys resist yeah, that as well. exactly <laughs> so it, it just seemed like i had to put it in the book yeah. um and to find a way also to include lots of women's experiences that for some women pregnancy was just a complete turn off and the last thing they wanted to do was have sex and that that's okay Mm -hmm. um and that for some women actually their pregnancy would be really amazing and they'd love their changing body and they would feel really adventurous and like exploring and that there should be maybe some tips for how you might do that um yeah and also it's good to know that however you're feeling is normal yeah (laughs) whatever end of the scale you are yeah Absolutely. And and to to think in advance that your sex life might change. Because mm. I think we're encouraged, a lot of pregnancy preparation is about buying stuff. Yes. That's what we're encouraged and, to do. Yeah, and decorating the nursery. Yeah, like things. Mm. And we're not really encouraged to think about the things that we actually will find ourselves talking about with friends, mm-hmm. like maternity leave and the impact on how you you know how you're going to feel about your work life yeah. and 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 your relationship with your partner um, hormones that, are a big one for me oh yeah why do I feel so weird <laughs> no it wasn't really like that it was yeah. more just why do I suddenly feel like myself again yeah absolutely. it was when they'd gone that I suddenly felt that they had been there you making know, me feel yeah. weird and people say hormones oh pregnancy hormones but does anyone ever explain no what they are and what they do that's no. one of the things I went made you know I actually had to look quite a lot of it up myself yes. to understand how the various different hormones work and what what levels they are in the body at different times and what happens postnatally you know mm. why women feel so strange in those first months mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's just important to to put a little flag in the ground and say your sex life is likely to change in some way Mm. and that's okay and maybe you want to think about that Mm -hmm. and prepare for it Mm. um, so it's not a shock Um, and I I tried to do that also with thinking about the the sort of um, the other parts of your relationship as well that those might those might change tensions might come up and that that if you just think about that and are aware of it you might be a bit more forgiving with each other um, and and be able to kind of weather some of those those storms and, and, and make a little bit of a plan in advance. And any preparation is better than none from that point of view, <laughs> presumably, even if it's a very quick chat with your other half. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think lots of us aren't going to sit down and sort of do DIY couples counselling <laughs> in advance. But I think even to have read yourself, like I wish I had read when I was pregnant with my first baby and thought about what it might feel like the moment my husband went back to work. Yeah, it's a big moment, isn't it? And mm. I, I'm in the house and I'm not earning any money anymore. Mm. 
and I have nowhere to go apart from it and I'm suddenly looking after the baby and he's going to go and he's going to get a lunch break and he's going to pop out for a coffee hot cup of tea and I'm going to have to ask him for money if I want to have my hair cut yeah and that was such a staggering moment for Mm. me where I suddenly was like oh my god what have I got my like what have I got myself (laughs) into here um and it was it was fine Mm. but I really wish I thought for a moment about that in advance and we talked about it and 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 I think that would have helped me transition more easily to, mm. to being a mother. As, as it was, it's just made me a kind of raging feminist. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few of them over at the hotbed, so yeah. you're in good company. Excellent. So we've talked um, in previous episodes about the sort of mummy MOT and how important it is to restore pelvic floor to look out for things like pelvic floor dysfunction, prolapse, etc. From an emotional point of view, what can women do if they feel that they have been affected by uh, birth trauma, birth injury, and it's it's causing them issues with body confidence or issues in their relationship and their sex life? Um, what would you advise? I mean, first of all, know, know that you're not alone mm. and that sadly this is a pretty normal way to feel mm. after, after giving birth and that you can feel better. Um, there's a really brilliant website called Make Birth Better. I think it's makebirthbetter.org. It's okay. run by a woman called um, Emma Svanberg, who's a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. And she's collated all of the birth trauma services across the country and put them on a map. Mm-hmm. So you can go and look at what is near you. And if you find a, find the map doesn't have services that you know, tell her. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some really great... If you, if you have um, a traumatic birth and it's causing you... Um, longer term problems if you find yourself thinking about it a lot it's disturbing your sleep if it's having an impact on um, your sense of self then you you can seek professional help Mm. talking therapies but also innovative things like eye movement desensitization therapy is really good for trauma what is that it's something that i don't completely understand (laughs) um but it involves a, a sort of retraining your brain wow. through the way that you move your eyes from, from left to right and talking about the traumatic event. And there's some good research to support that it works. And Gosh, and I thought garlic bread was progressive. Oh, no. <laughs> <This is> like... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think you can eat garlic bread at the same time. <laughs> I've put a chapter in my book about overcoming a difficult birth, um, particularly aimed at women who might be having another baby because that's often yeah. when it comes up. Yes, yes. You might have just got on with things and then suddenly find you're pregnant and feel it's all flooding back Mm -hmm. and I think the most important piece of sort of signposting in that is just to support Mm. um and and some having somebody whether it's a doula or booking in with a caseloading midwifery team having somebody that you can say I am really freaked out about this Mm -hmm. this is why I'm Mm. freaked out about this please can you help me Mm. is really important and, and that might include going through your notes from your last birth. Yeah. But if you have something like PTSD, actually sometimes it's not super helpful to reprocess the yeah. whole thing. That can be quite triggering. So it's getting the right support in place. And um, and I think that make birth better is a good place to start. And your no guilt thing, lastly, is extending to all of your life or just, uh, you know, matters of reproduction, pregnancy? <laughs> do, you, do you feel guilty about other things? Oh God! I mean, I'm I'm my own sort of like worst case study. I feel guilty about everything. <laughs> Come on, be the brand. But, but I I I think there's a case for like your no guilt wine plan. 
Yes, that's the follow-up. Your no-guilt cake plan. (laughs) I think, you know, as women, we are encouraged to feel shitty Mm. about lots of things. Um, I find it really interesting how a lot of the sobriety books at the moment are all written by women and are all aimed at women. Yeah. Um, So uh, while I think it's really valid that we examine the choices we make and make positive ones, actually we should just cut ourselves and each other some slack. Did you see what we wrote on... Well, we didn't write this, but I put something on Instagram the other day and I'm going to read it out. I want to see if you agree. Um, Things women shouldn't have to apologise for. (laughs) Number one, having our periods. Number two, sexual preference. Number three, putting work first. Number four, bra cup sizes. (laughs) Number five, independence. Number six, painting our faces. I think presumably that's sort of lipstick uh, rather than my lion, uh, you know, the lion <laughs> thing you might get down but, at the But don't the feel guilty for painting your face <laughs> like a lion you either. A lion. That's fine. <laughs> uh, number seven, how many people we've slept with. Number eight, looking like hell. Number nine, making more money. And number 10, eating too much. Yeah, we shouldn't feel guilty for any of those things. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, there's a good test if you feel guilty about something, it's like, w- would would a man feel guilty about this or be encouraged to feel guilty about this? And the answer is almost always no. Agreed. Um, Rebecca's laughing <laughs> because just <laughs> as she was answering that question, I took a really big exhale and my, my top has just popped open and it could be that baby Joe is not with me. So there's a few bust issues going on. So normally I'm breastfeeding Joe throughout the first series and today he's, well, he's now six months nearly, so he's with my mum. And uh, I'm feeling a little bit busty McGee. Well, don't feel guilty <laughs> about feel your bust. My brand. <laughs> so on brand, there I am. I'm living the brand. Busting out. Busting out. <laughs> and uh, follow Rebecca on Instagram. Um, she's just at Rebecca Schiller or Rebecca Dot Schiller. Rebecca Dot Schiller. Dot Schiller. Right. And have a look at hashtag No Guilt Pregnancy Plan. Um, it's really lovely talking to you. And we ha- will probably have you back on the show for your next book. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you. That was Rebecca Schiller, and that was me uh, with a cameo appearance from my boobs that bust out of my top at the time. I was, well, I am breastfeeding, but I'd left my baby with my mum, as I said, and Babs Windsor, carry-on style, (laughs) ping, (laughs) went the top. Um, She then later told me that was the highlight of her day, which was really nice of her. (laughs) So that was Rebecca. And... I just wanted to ask you two before we go, like about what you don't feel guilty about. So she's got her no guilt pregnancy plan. We talk about women not feeling guilty about wearing makeup, about earning more money. Um, Anarchy, is there anything you mm. defiantly like don't feel guilty about? Um, or I anything you do? Well, you know? I don't feel guilty if I can afford it, paying for someone to look after my daughter. Yep. Um, and I don't beat myself up about that anymore because I sort of think... I've got to have some time to try and hustle and earn a living and do the things I want. And I actually think it makes me a better parent and sort of less grumpy and resentful. I think I'd be really grumpy and resentful if I was a full-time mum at home. Huge, massive shout-out. And I have, I do, I really respect people that do Mm. it. Oh, my God, so do I. You know, I feel, I think it's amazing, but... I do, I need a little bit of time each week just to go and do my stuff. Yeah. And that keeps me sane. So I don't feel guilty about that. Remy? Um, I don't feel guilty about being a MILF because I looked like trash before I had my kid Mm. and then just afterwards Mm. and I'm I'm going "Mm," not because I agree with you I'm just listening no um, I basically had a severe bout of postnatal depression which I was like in denial about and included in my postnatal depression was just not 
caring for myself aesthetically yeah which is something i never really cared about but then i started to care about especially when i became single and being sexy there was nothing wrong with that um and it's weird i feel like because of this movement at the moment with women embracing their bodies no matter what that looks like yeah you know sometimes it's fine not to shave your legs or mm-hmm. not to do your hair or to not want to leave your house and to like feel empowered in that and i do feel empowered in that but i also feel empowered in feeling sexy yeah and um yeah i believe in the concept of being a milf it's very important to me not necessarily in the porn time because i'm not trying to do that but <laughs> well, it's to me i'm looking at you and i'm thinking you're too young to be a milf but that's but but i don't know for me i've always thought it was like what is there a particular age category that you have to be or not? No. I think 40 I mean, and over is like the usual thing. idea. Well, it's better than a cougar, isn't it? A cougar milf. Well, by yeah, porn, I it, guess depends so. about, it depends if we're looking at porn standards, isn't it? Because I think a porn actress, isn't there that joke that's like, you're either like you're either preteen and you're employable as a kind of someone that looks young and then mm. suddenly when you're kind of at your maybe classically physical peak you're not interesting to porn viewers and then you get more interesting when you <laughs> enter the MILF category mm. at like probably like 28, 30 I mean that's the porn industry for well you. it's mm. crazy because I whenever I say to people you know yeah like I'm such a MILF I never refer to it in terms of porn I've actually never watched MILF porn anyway but for me, it's like, yes, I've got a kid, but I can be sexy yeah, and yeah. I can be attractive. And that's so important to me to um, feel that way because it's something that I never did before and I never cared about it. But mm. now it's like, well, no, like, yes, I'm fat and I'm fly and I'm a MILF and you're just going to have to deal with it because finally I have and it took me oh. so long to. Mm. And we're talking about body confidence in another episode, but isn't it such a relief to like embrace that and not make yourself feel guilty about Absolutely. your weight and your body? And I mean, what is weight is a bullshit term anyway, isn't it really? Absolutely. And you've got, just tell us quickly, so Remy is um, on Instagram, Books, Baby and Back. Is that yes, right? Have books, I got it in the right order? Books, Baby and Back. Yeah, and, <laughs> and she's got a she, hashtag, Fat girl magic. Fat, fat girl, girl magic is like my favorite hashtag. It's like I've got fat girl magic with my black girl magic, and it just kind of works yeah. on one thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's important to me. I started to take pictures of me in high street clothing because I was a student when I got pregnant, so I didn't have loads of money. Mm. But I just felt like overweight mums weren't openly allowed to embrace their sexy unless they were like loaded, like Tess Holiday. She's like yeah. beautiful, big, and loaded. Yeah, and um, so I just borrow this hashtag from my friend who actually doesn't have a kid and I started taking pictures of myself in high street clothing and I got inundated with messages and every time I upload a picture of me looking somewhat put together and referencing my weight I always get loads of messages from other plus size mums asking me where I've bought my clothes or how I just felt confident enough to be able to do this because like now I wear like mini skirts and see-through tops not all the time but most and you look great you look banging <laughs> yeah I think so too <laughs> and I love someone said to me the other day like don't follow body posi like accounts n- just for the body positivity follow them for the style like everyone just mm, looks so great yeah. and it's so nice to see what clothes look like on different bodies and know? I would mm. never call myself a body posi babe or a self love warrior I love them I think what they do is amazing but mm. trust me Two days before my period, I am as insecure as any other woman. And equally, I'm not an advocate of simply being a fat woman and being proud of that. I'm an advocate of being a woman and being proud of that. So my younger sister is like a size eight. And 
if she felt like she was insecure in that, I would be as devastated yeah. as if I met a woman who was a size 18 or a size 28 mm-hmm. yeah. and felt insecure in that. Um, so the size of the woman, to me, is irrelevant. It's more about the feeling. And so that's why I say for me, MILF is a mindset. It's a feeling of feeling attractive and secure and confident in what you look like. And whatever that means to you. So body posse babes, I think that they have a really important movement in the sense that they're saying, you know, just accept yourself. Um, but I'm not like that all the time. Why? So what else will people find if they follow you on Instagram? And what's your blog? Um, okay, so my blog is booksbabyandback.com. And on my, so I'm a writer by trade. That mm. is what I do. That is where all of this started. Um, but now I'm a writer who also has a couple of podcasts. I'm working on the Make Motherhood Diverse podcast, which is just sharing women's stories. It's almost like Humans of New York for yeah. mums. And also because meeting older women has taught me that no matter what age you have a child, it's as hard and as fulfilling as it mm. is when you're really young or when you're really old. And um, so, yeah, I kind of like I'm bridging the not bridging the gap because that makes me sound like I think I'm so great but like I feel like I'm exposing to my peers yeah what it's like to have a kid at this age and also yeah. exposing to women who are older than me that we're not all dumb when yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a kid really young either um because I remember you know pregnancy everyone looked at me like I was like a victim of some kind of childhood trauma because I was I looked like I was 18 I was 20 but I looked like I was yeah, 18 yeah. and having a baby and I was like yeah. oh bless you Right, that's a goodbye from Joe. Goodbye from me. Thank you, Anarchy. Thank you, Remy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.